Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 28 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we've got a great guest this week and one of the most varied chats. I mean, we go off on so many directions. Before we get to that, I just need to ask you to check out my label, Speech Development a, a records, the home of, or the UK and Europe home of Sage Francis and B. Dolan and the worldwide home of Warren Peace and Giacomo Brown and Polar Bear and all sorts of great people, including myself in there. If you head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com, you can check out and support the podcast by buying t-shirts, mugs. We've even got aprons now, barbecue aprons, no less, because there was a day... There was a day last week, no, the week before last, where it was sunny. So I went, right, the sun's here. We need to make barbecue aprons. That's where the money's at. So come and check us out. A few more things I want to tell you about tonight. If you're in London tonight, please come down Thursday, the 26th of March. I have my film club at the Prince Charles Cinema. This week we are screening um, Unprofit, which is absolutely amazing film. And kind of the point of my film club is to watch a lot of films that either I love or I think that you all may love but you may not have seen on the big screen and the big screen I genuinely think it's a completely different experience because in your living room even if you're not checking your phone which I'm damn sure you are even if you're not checking your phone you're noticing things around the room you're 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 looking out the window and thinking how have I lived in this same town for 34 years this is this is killing me um but in this the cinema you're in darkness and it's the sound is just taking over everything and it's just all encompassing so come and check us out we're at the Prince Charles Cinema tonight we will be doing a little introduction I will be doing an introduction and then uh, comedian Richard Sandlin and myself will be hosting um, a little Q&A and a meet and greet thing afterwards to talk about the film and see what you all thought so come along to that we are also I'm also bringing my club night to Birmingham this week on so on Friday the 27th of March so tomorrow if you're listening on the day of download um yeah at the Hare and Hounds come along we've got Tiny Giant playing live we've got me DJing and generally knocking about and getting drunk with you all. DJ Destruction, who is the best DJ in the world, in my opinion. Uh, We've mentioned him when Zane Lowe was in, when DJ Yoda was in. He's kind of the best kept secret. People don't know about him and he generally only plays our club night. So yeah, if you're in Birmingham and you fancy that, you can get tickets online or you can come along. Just hit up the Heron Hound for details. And then if you're in London, still or again i mean if you happen to be in london on thursday birmingham on friday and and london on saturday then we're just best friends basically because on saturday i'm bringing my club night to the stillery in camden um yeah if you don't know i've been doing my we are lizards club night uh, monthly for three years and we've had three years of sold out shows or just over three years now i've sold out shows at the book club in shoreditch which is still very much our home we we love it there and last month's one we had the most amazing thing we're at like half nine it was rammed and we dropped um Stu Whiffin who DJs dropped a cameo tune um and the whole dance floor was doing the electric slide just in time completely unprompted it was amazing but anyway we're also trying to do the in a, a few other venues and one of those new homes is the stillery in Camden um it's basically we liked it because it's got a great live setup it's got a real good feel and atmosphere to it it's not kind of crazy expensive uh, london drinks prices so yeah come and check us out at the stillery we are lizards on saturday the 28th of march but now we can get on with the podcast now i finish hawking all my wares to you um 
yeah, it was great to to get to sit down and chat with Sarah Pascoe. Um, I said, uh, we hadn't really chatted properly. We'd done a few different gigs together and chatted a bit. And, you know, up in Edinburgh was the year I was up there. We, you know, we, we, we hung out a little bit and, and chatted a bit, but it's the first time I'd really sat down and we had a real in-depth conversation. She's f- fascinating and scarily intelligent. Um, so, yeah, hope you enjoy this podcast. I'll be back at the end with a little bit more information, so stick with me. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. That is it. We've started already. I'll move this a little bit closer just to get you. A welcome. That's perfect. Yeah. How are you doing, Sarah? Very well, thank you. I'm going to go straight in. Is it Pasco or Pascal? Pasco. Yeah. Pasco. That's what I would have said. But because of the TV show, um, DL DL and Pasco. No, it's Pasco anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same. It's no mystery. (laughs) I've started on a real dub there. But hey, sometimes um, the thing I've been doing stand up is that. Usually you're brought on by somebody who might not have met you before yep. and you just have to go on as that person. Whatever they say is who you are. So because yeah. my name doesn't have an H on it, sometimes they'll introduce me as Sarah. Right. And what I realised early on was going on and going, actually, that's not my name, my name's Sarah. It was a really bad start. Yeah. So I just it's have to be like, hey, starts, I'm Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and then now I've had to write a bit just in case it happens. And I thought that's the best way. But yeah, so yeah sometimes someone will go, Sarah Pascal, Sarah yeah. Pascal. Yeah. And, yeah, and you just have to be like, yep. That's who I am. <laughs> That'll do because yeah. yeah, correcting it 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 it, yeah. it is important, but it also isn't important. No, and you can't start off being is, passive aggressive yeah. towards someone so you know. you've never met before. Um, yeah. Don't be thinking I'm Pascal because <laughs> <laughs> that's not what you're going to get tonight. Yeah. yeah. Um, did what do you do you ever have like when they ask you if you'd, you'd like them yeah. to say anything on oh, introduction? God. What uh, the I hell say do nothing, you say? Nothing. I've never known anyone to yeah. have something good. No, nothing. To say there. Because whatever they say either is wrong or irritating. Like so, sometimes people will say. Oh, the next act, very exciting. You'd have seen them on telly. And then they expect Jennifer Saunders or someone actually famous. And then they're like, huh? So I just I hate anything about TV. But in America, they list all of your credits. I've not not been there. But so before you come on, they'll be like, they they were mentioned in this magazine and they've been. Bring up your IMDb and everything else. And you just say, read it out as a CV. And I suppose it makes an audience think, Oh, this person's going to be good, but actually, if they don't think you're good, they don't think you're good. It's not weird, be going, yeah. but oh, they were on Seinfeld, so they must be all right. I don't. Yeah. If they're not laughing, you're not laughing at someone, no matter what they've done. I don't like. And the then, words. in a way, you'll get more annoyed yeah. that you're not laughing at them when their yes. CV says yeah. they're meant to be funny. Why are they getting all this work? The thing is, as well, the words an MC uses let you know what they think of your comedy. So, for instance, right. if I hear an MC of Gigged with a Lot going, she's a lovely lady. <laughs> so, oh, so they'll go, oh, um, she's um, what a, yeah, she's so nice. Like, that's, that, that's a real slight, not saying this act is funny. They go, yeah. like, she's a nice person, though, so let's forgive her. I, early on on hosting spoken word nights at, at Camp Festival and Festival, there was a poet I was really excited about, a guy called Ross... No, it, it wasn't Ross Southern. It was Chris Hicks, and they worked together, oh, yeah. so it's that's not, it's not t- it's yes. too much of an insult. Yeah. But I was introducing Chris Hicks, and I was really excited about it, but I'd got a, a little tipsy during... Because it was like yeah, it's a festival, t- yeah. t- t- two hours of introducing, mm. and I'm only just, just popping up. And all I could come up with was like, this next poet 
is one of the most intelligent people I've met. And that was it. That was yeah. I didn't give that's any real right, a reflection right, yeah. of his ability. Yeah. Or, and again, it put pressure yeah. on him to come out and be, be intellectual, yeah. which, you know, it wasn't particularly yeah. about. But yeah. yeah, and any kind it's of compliment awkward. actually is difficult because what you the first thing you want to do is go, I don't think that about myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I'm shit. Yeah. Yeah. They've just said that, I promise. Have yeah. there been any points where you've wished that... Where you've you've said just say anything, and yeah. then afterwards you thought, oh yeah, I, I should have you, said you okay. should mention this. Not cause... far from here, comedy store, and I've now yeah. learned a guy. Uh, I won't say who he is, but he's an established comedian. <laughs> and I found out afterwards that's his thing that he does it quite a lot to women. Right. But he said, "Is there anything you'd like me to say?" And I said, "Anything you like." So I'm doing an open spot, so you're not yeah. a listed comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're always a horrible surprise to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. usually what they have. Like, we said there were just three comics tonight, but we've got a special surprise. Yeah, you've There's got to wait longer yeah. until yeah. the comic you came exactly. to see. or the interval. Or, yeah. So, <laughs> and I said, whatever you like. And he said, um, and coming on next is the UK's best female impersonator. And then introduced me as a female impersonator. Right. Which meant I walked on, and I first thing I had to say was, Oh, I'm not a man. I don't know why yeah. you said that. Yeah. And then I found I was out... Say, it's a confusing introduction anyway, because you don't know if it's going to be... You're yeah. meant to be doing impressions yes. or you're a man. Yeah. Either yeah. way, it yeah. doesn't help your comedy <laughs> set. Cause... Exactly. And that's also <laughs> then the audience are looking at you thinking, is that a bloke? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it's just, yeah, just what a horrible, horrible thing to say. And then, um, and then the second time I gigged with him, I forgot he'd done it that first time. And he said, is there anything you want me to say? And I didn't say it. And he did it again. And at the end of my set said something again like or you're all concentrating trying to work out where she hides it oh it's just horrible so now if I have a gig with him I say he says what would you like me to say like don't say I'm a man yeah but I've seen him do it what to other thing for him to I've have seen him do it, but then I've, I've seen him do it to other women now it's just a bad thing yeah, he thinks it's funny absolutely bizarre he thinks it's funny yeah, because as said, as 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 silly as it is as well, no matter how clearly a woman is a woman, if yeah. they've just said that, there is going to be that slight question yeah. going... Everyone has a doubt, yeah. May, maybe but we, can, the way, especially the way, in the society we live now, I mean, a lot of people who were not born as women are far more feminine than me, and lots of most drag queens. I was thinking the other day, because yeah. femininity itself is so synthetic, actually... All of them yeah. are doing better at womanhood than I am, <laughs> despite my ovaries and womb. <laughs> They're just f- f- footnotes, really. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's just accuracies. Uh, I, 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 the, the, the one time I've recently um, wanted or wondered if I should bring up, you know, a bit of my CV or yeah. things like that was just when it's because I wasn't expecting it in, oh, yeah. in every gig situation you're very much yep just just say what you want things like that. but I was doing um a speed awareness course because I'd been driving Uh-oh. too fast because I'm naughty um and on that they were saying about how there's no phones allowed and they're saying the reasons are this 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 and also they're saying for example it's like are we often have famous people in here is anyone here famous and I was like <laughs> I've got my twitter open I'm not famous but I can you know I can justify yes. I've got yeah. a certain amount of followers and I didn't yes. I didn't uh, yeah. go for it but I did yeah. s- I sit there for a while thinking Number one, I'm definitely not going to say anything. But, but number two, I wouldn't mind if someone else did. Yeah. Someone said, yeah. That, that guy, guy that, that, super, that super famous guy who's been on but TV that's once. Thing, with the logic of it, that's thing. You can't tell people you're famous. No. <laughs> like, if they don't know who you are, then you're not I've famous. I always argue yeah. that. that. That is the ultimate question of, are you famous? It's like the answer to that should always... It can, just can only ever it. be no. Because yeah. it's like you, if yeah. you're asking it. But um, my friend Jess Foster <laughs> so this is years ago, so she just started comedy and she um, was trying to get car insurance. Yeah. 
and they Googled her because they said, what's your job? She's a comedian, which is a mistake. They Googled her and said that her insurance premium would be really high. And she said, oh, no. And they went, well, actually, yeah, because you're in the public eye. And she went, I'm not really. She went, we've got yeah. a Facebook page. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't insure Angelina Jolie either. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, good to know. That's great. And I reckon she can afford this higher tariff, yeah. actually. yeah. Me and Angelina, that'll yeah. make us bond. <laughs> we should probably carpool, <laughs> save yeah, exactly. some cash. Finally, we're going to have something to talk about when our paths inevitably cross. What happened at Speed Awareness course then? Did you go? Is it one day? Do you go for? It was one day, and it's like five hours um, in two halves. I was really hoping it'd just be Speed One yes. and Speed Two, yeah. <laughs> uh, just screenings. Yeah. Um, genuinely, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed yeah. it. I went in there like this is going to be yeah. crap, and. They were nice guys. Just a few things like, like, like they were discussing, and this is is, mm. is something that I think they should put out there more because because I was saying generally people speed when they're in a rush. Obviously, mm. that's that's mm. the obvious one, or yeah. or angry or stressed yeah, things emotional. like that. And they were saying, oh, what makes you angry? And people were like cones. He was like cones. Everyone gets angry at cones and and no workmen. Mm. And he had someone else in there who who was on the speed awareness call mm. for speeding, but worked for one of the highway patrol things. He was yeah. like. You all know this. How long does co- a, a concrete take to set? So, oh. a, tw- a twenty-eight days. So he said, any roadworks have to have twenty-eight days oh, coned off with no one there. Instantly, yeah, I'm not going to get annoyed any time yeah. I see there you that. Go. That's working. That's so there. simple. Yeah. That's genuine. Yeah. It's like that's just that's 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 potentially just drying. It's not yes. I have money being wasted and yeah, roads being closed for no reason. To take the cones yeah. away. Wow, that's clever, a nice right? thing. That's really clever. Interesting, but yeah. yeah. And did you meet interesting people? Was there a nice cross section of people um, you wouldn't usually meet? The, the, you're in tables, and the tables were, you know, you 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 sit randomly on on your little table. And one of the guys on our table was a bit of a, you know, I was doing I was oh, doing really? this much, I was speeding this a much. A naughty boy. And, and, but he was a grown man, yeah. and he was and there was a lot of things he was arguing with them over, and, and they're like, no, that's that's the law. You may think it's not, but that's because yeah. you passed your test 30 years ago or something uh, like that. Yeah. It's like, this is... And so... But other than that, they were all nice some enough. People, some people Everyone have... Everyone seemed um, to have a bit of shame. Every, like, yeah. we didn't all chat and engage no. that much because we're all a little bit like, oh. Yeah. I guess um, some, some <laughs> people have a problem with authority, don't they? And so yeah. actually the only place they get it is like, yeah, traffic offences and... Yeah. And I found the truck drivers on the course were the ones to, to, to disagree the most mm. on stuff. They'd be like, well, no, that's not the case. And then they'd have it explained or oh, oh, oh well in that example or when they, yes. you know they would never just say I was wrong yeah. they'd just go well yeah I guess but you know yeah. I drive trucks <laughs> I drive trucks I don't know about roads um, so how was I'm going straight from yeah. truck driving okay. to just the traditional kind of what was your kind of upbringing and then route into comedy you've yeah. did you grow up in, in Romford yeah where are you is, from I'm, you, I'm from Stanfordly Hope. I used to, oh, to go yeah. to all the metal nights in Romford at Hollywood. Oh, so that you? was my exciting ah, trip. We'd make okay. our little trips into Romford yeah. for alternative nights. There was That's the thing. Because they let young people into all of the nightclubs, yeah. there was a lot to do in Romford. Like, I go to other places now. I went to, where did I just go the other day? Like Ramsgate or somewhere. Yeah. And there were all these kids just in this closed shopping centre at night. Because there's nothing to do. Because Romford was really cheap as well. Like all of those nightclubs, it was like a couple of pounds in or nothing. Yeah. And then the drinks were a pound. Cheap drinks. The, uh, there was always some kind of free before yes, whatever exactly. time, so, so we were always empty, on that one. Yeah. yeah, and then you could get a pint of cider for pound fifty. Yeah, it's weird because because yeah. Romford kind of there is it is it has got its roughness, but it's still there was no doubt as you said a lot to do, and we would 
a lot of us growing up have been like, oh, Romford, yeah. it's rough, it's this, that. Yeah. But we'd still be going yeah. there rather than there, our town. Yeah, but so. there is a tension. That's the thing. I get When I go back there now, I don't live there anymore. And actually, a few of my family does, like extended family. But my yeah. mum now lives in Colchester with my sisters. Yeah. But there is a tension. It does vibrate. If you walk into a pub, people do look round. You think, yeah, oh, completely. you could walk into any place in Rockford and start a fight if you wanted one. On the nights, if you yeah. wanted one, you could find a fight. I completely agree. I was... Yeah, and it's horrible because it sometimes would ruin a night out when just one of your lot gets picked on and you think, right, that guy just wanted to... And it's to... just someone starting... Me and my mate, um, Mark, um, were in Pizza Hut. We Sometimes before everyone else got to the club night, we'd go up early and have a little mandate in, yeah. a, in Pizza Hut. And we're in there and we saw a fight kicking off outside... And then there was a brutal incident, which was both brutal, but also I had to respect the ingenuity of it because yeah. these there was two gangs of lads all all kicking off. A one stormed off, and then one lad just walked in the pizza hut, yeah. into the kitchen, and got the big <gasps> pizza cutter things that are like oh, a big yes. yeah. curved cutter. Oh, yeah. Grabbed one of them oh. and stormed off down the street, and I was like, God, I don't want to know what's happening now, yeah. but also. To have your wits about you to go right. Like what I need, sharp stuff. Yeah, I just went and got this thing. Well, I wonder what. That, 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 that's probably why that pizza hut only has the round one and no knives. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> like, exactly. Just it's in like, case, then it's like, oh, they're, they're that, downgraded. So. Yeah. It's slicing people into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, 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 were you? Did, 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 did you encounter a lot of 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 of, tr- of trouble on nights out I, and things I didn't like that? Or did you that, avoid that wasn't, it or? I think when you've grown up in a place, everything seems very normal. I wasn't yeah. a fighter person. I was. I did fight a bit at school, but not kind of out when out and not out with strangers. I wasn't one of those people. But yeah. when I left, I became a lot softer. Yeah. I realised that. But I think if you grow up in a place where aggression is the way to avoid fights, as right. in, so someone starts on you, you start slightly back. It's done. Yeah. Rather than you've got you, your limit if on you it. Show, if you show fear to people, then so I still have a little bit of that in me. But what I haven't, what happened with me when I was fourteen, as I said earlier, too, before we were recording, yeah. I was really unhappy at school, and um, I had a party when my mum was out of the house, and um, it was actually actually been another girl's idea, and a lot of people from school came who just they completely trashed my house, and um, oh, wow. my punishment, my mum made me join a local drama group called Theatre Box and nice. like just to keep me off the streets and um, <laughs> actually what was so this brilliant could be a is movie already. Yeah, <laughs> all of my energy then was suddenly like into doing as many amateur dramatics plays as I could and you meet older people I guess if you're not if you're just hanging around with people outside yeah. school and um, so that's what I did so I was trying to be an actor for a really long time but I didn't get into drama school so when I was 18 I got a job at the Millennium Dome because my friend Andy, who's now a TV presenter, he's on CBeebies, and he's really famous. But um, he, I was working in Edwards on right next to that Pizza Hut, yep, yep. Uh, on Rockford High Street, and um, he knocked when I was we were mop, I was mopping up, and he said um, I'd got sacked from Brannigan's. I used to work in because I gave away free drinks, and so I was now working well, in Edwards. And he said, oh, when the drinks are that cheap yeah. already, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a liberty to I take. Know, I know, I'm an awful person. Um, so he said, if you go to Manpower, they're taking on staff at the Millennium Dome. So I got a job at the Millennium Dome, and then I did. Um, after did, I worked in ticketing, but then I did street theatre, and I just basically kept trying to get into uh, drama school, and I couldn't get in, and then. I went to university through clearing because I had no money. I was working in Nottingham in a hotel, right. backing singing for Robbie Williams' dad. I got paid £100 a week. Wow. But I could. I was so far over my overdraft that that £100 wasn't getting me back inside. So I didn't leave the hotel grounds for three months. I was very sad. Damn, yeah. And um, then I thought, no, if you apply to university, they send you a loan check for £900. And right. that would get me out of my overdraft. I could start my life again. But then so I applied through clearing. Yeah. 
And then you had to go and pick up the money. So I was in Nottingham and it was Brighton. So I had to go to Sussex to pick up this cheque. And then when I got there, I decided I'll stay the night. So I had like a student room and a rubber mattress. I hadn't brought a duvet or a saucepan. All these people, like their parents were with them. Everyone was so excited they're going to university. And then you have to you have to wait for five days for this money to clear. But anyway, I ended up staying and doing an English degree. It's amazing. You got you got into uni and did uni as a scam to, yeah, to, to get, get the money. and ended up getting... Yeah, and I've just paid that back. Wow. <laughs> that money. I've just paid back my student loan. Um, That's so brilliant. I, I remember someone having a serious conversation with someone because if you didn't earn over 18 grand a year, you wouldn't pay back your student loan. And I was like, I'll never earn that much money. I never thought I'd earn I that over exactly that. I thought exactly the, the same. I remember time. having serious conversations with people going, if you go away for 10 years, it just gets written off. And I was like, that's probably going to happen as well. Yep. I'll probably be in IB for I only 10 did, years. That's it. I only did a year at uni. But the first, it was like when I first signed all that, yeah. I was like, thanks yeah. for the free money. Well, that's the thing. Idiots. That's, that's when, I know it's awful how much they've put up those student loans for. And they were yeah. saying, but then when they said that there's been an increase in people from working class families and lower incomes going to university, it's like, yeah, because they're the ones going... Never going to pay this back, mate. Yeah, yeah. you're not getting this. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, though, my my, my a brother, um, because he doesn't agree with our current political setup yeah. and governmental system, um, he did his 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 degree. He earns, b- b- like he consciously earns oh, below oh, the amount. Oh, great! Just yeah. as a kind of right, I'm going to take from yeah. this because you know you. Mm. Oh, he believes we should have a free education yes. and the focus should be on better in um yeah intelligence in general rather than necessarily being so financially based Mm. and all that so yeah he's now in his 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 late his mid to late 30s and consciously goes right i'm not gonna pay a penny of this thing back because that's fantastic i choose not to because but again i i I remember completely that them that amount of money seemed completely unimaginable at the time and you're like right i'll never get that so how was what what ended up making you stay? What made you, oh, so other it, than you wanted to sleep, so, so, sleep there for the Because I realised you could do drama. Yeah. <laughs> There's a drama club at university. And so my very first term, I met Again, my two best friends just now. just this turn from a punishment it, yeah, into a scam into my, my this mom, is what I now want to do. Yeah. <laughs> my mum's gutted. I'll show you. Yeah, yeah too late to hit me now. <laughs> she, um, so I, my first term, I did a play called Our Country's Good. And I, in the first rehearsal, I met Vanessa and Carrier, two of my best friends now, still. Yeah. And I think they're the best friends I've ever had. So I don't really have any friends from college or school. Um, but those two guys. And I didn't realise... University smashed my mind open. I didn't realise yeah. how much I didn't know. Like, yeah. I always loved reading, but I think I read very simple, easy books, which I didn't yeah. realise that at the time. And that's not to be snobby. That's why I'm not snobby about what anyone reads for pleasure. But um, then our university, and that's what it gave me, was just this real excitement for just how much more there is out there yeah. all the time. The reading list, I used to get excited. Like, And every time you think you find out about one thing, it then just opens up another 50 things off that spray I mean, that's it, the yeah. amazing thing, I think, that I'd never anticipated until I was out of education, the benefits of of teachers, of reading lists, of yeah. being able to say, I'm into this, and then going, mm. right, well, you, you should then yes. look at this, this, yeah. this, and this. Whereas outside yeah. of that, you go, I'm into this, I'm going to keep reading this and read yes. this repeatedly yeah. and know this inside and out, rather than... Have that easy opportunity to go. Here's here's, yeah, here's what other else things, you or here's what influenced yeah. them, or inspired that, or this was the homage to this, and yeah. yeah so I loved that. I really loved university f- for the learning aspects and the doing the drama. And then when I came out again, started auditioning for drama school again. <laughs> and um, at some point, so it must be 2007. I was doing. I'd been doing 
uh, I always did like fringe unpaid theatre and then I was doing news review, which I'd got because the director had directed something else that I'd done. And um, right. that there was a stand-up comic in the show. And I, I'd really always... I'm not going to say hated comedy, but I would say sneered at it. Right. Like, it's so easy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And yeah, yeah. I wanted to do, like, things that made people cry. Like, the world yeah. is so serious and there's yeah. so much awful things. And I think the only stand-up I'd seen, I'd thought, was very... And I'd never seen any live comedy, but stand-up to me, if I'd had to draw your picture, was just misogyny. It was right. misogyny, it was ageism, it was attacking yeah. the weak, it was... Um, and how beautiful and to have that disproved they... by people introducing you as a as a, as a, <laughs> yeah, a, as a lovely, lovely <laughs> lady. <Turns out>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, and then I did stand up as an experiment after breaking up with a boyfriend, and um, I was very, very. And stand up's perfect if you've ever broken up because you normally have all that, that this hot energy. Like you need yeah. to do stuff, you need to make yeah. stuff. Stand up is great because you can write new stuff every day, and you can talk about the person that's hurt you as well. And people yeah. love pain, yeah, so yeah, you've got yeah. all this. And you could do gigs every night. Like, I didn't realise, acting, you write all these letters and you try so hard and you try and stay engaged, but you need other people to do it. And to just have this thing where you can ring up some old guy in Balham and go, can I come down and do five minutes? And then to go, yes. And then you just write it on the bus. And I just, honestly, and I'm still in a honeymoon period of it, I couldn't believe this thing existed. And I didn't think about career or money or job. And it's a surprise to me now. But it took a while to go, oh, actually, this is my... And the fact that I pay my rent from it, and it's so exciting, yeah. and I don't have a proper job. Yeah. And every that's what I kind of work out, is how long, much longer I've got until I would have to temp again. Yeah, like, yeah. That I could yeah. survive, but um, I'd still carry on doing stand-up for nothing. And um, now, so much... That's what I really respected, the form of it. Like, it felt like a proper craft, where you just, you're never going to be good enough. You're always going to be a little bit better, uh, a slight bit better. Can you think of anyone yeah. that kind of opened you up to the quality of it? Like, whereas your thoughts were that it oh, was yes. just this misogynistic thing that yeah. suddenly made you go, oh, actually, this isn't number one easy, yes. and this isn't, oh, you know, well, it, it isn't well, that's form. it. Once you... Well, when I first was looking at people just reading off pads... That's what made me really excited is that I had thought stand-up was improvised. I hadn't realised there was a craft right. and, and how people structured yeah, yeah, yeah. it. I think the people I've been aware of, maybe like Harry Hill or Jack D, I thought they were improvising. Right. So I, could, I thought they had these amazing memories because I loved callbacks. And I remember always noticing them going, how does he remember? He was talking about polos earlier. Yeah, yeah, I forgot yeah, yeah, that he was talking yeah. about polos. Yeah. And then he brought it up again. And then, I mean, what really excited me on the open mic scene was actually, because I'd always really liked Speaker's Corner as yeah. a concept. Yeah. That the idea that there's this place, as long as you didn't insult the monarch or incite a riot, you can mm-hmm. say whatever you like. Yeah. And I really thought that was a really amazing thing that we still have that and that it still exists. And that's what open mic was, because no one was getting paid. Some people said horrific things, but some people said brilliant things. Yeah. And six people were listening. And I just felt like, this is what I wanted. Society's having a conversation with itself. Like, yeah. people are actually saying what they believe here. Yeah. And um, and sometimes we've punchlines, sometimes we've not. So then it was just generally and then when I saw people that were amazing so like Josie our, our joint friend yeah, yeah. And, um, and Bridget Christie and Stuart Lee and um, yeah, people who are managing to create ideas that were also entertaining at yeah. the same time I think Stuart Lee's one that I often use as an example to show people how crafted it can be just because his stuff is so intricate and I'm yes. not saying it's better or worse or it is oh, yes. it's amazing yeah. but just the intricacies it's like yeah. that has to have been written yeah, some, down and yeah. referenced and some moved some people the craft and... goes into look, making it look like they've just thought of it yeah. and they're talking exactly like a person talks when they've just had an idea yeah. so the, yeah. Yeah, the craft is all completely hidden yeah. but Stuart and, and he would say this he writes it a little bit like using words like notes in jazz as motifs yeah. so certain words have importance or are stressed at certain points and there's yeah. patterns that are then broken and, yeah, yeah. and you're able to enjoy that 
as well as the content. So, so did you find, um, when you started writing, did you just start writing or did you go, right, here's what I need to learn and technique? Or have yeah. you developed a technique I, I along knew, the way? I knew I had things that were... There's still things that I haven't talked about because I keep thinking, well, I'll wait until you're better at this. So, for yeah. instance... I love just, that, just an example. That kind of holding off. Yes. It's like, well, this is going to be really good. So no, I need no, to have the right. Not necessarily really good, but you have to be sensitive enough. So your, good your enough first to, instinct to is it, an yeah. open spot is to go up there and go, I had an abortion when I was 16. And then you yeah. realise, oh, okay, I see. Certain words create a response in an audience. Or yeah. everyone makes cheaper jokes at the beginning. You make jokes that are horrible or nasty. Or like, I yeah. remember once Carrie, I was living with Carrie and her mum. And I had something about going to the toilet. And it wasn't me, it was a character. And she went, just just don't do that stuff. <laughs> like, you don't have to. Yeah. And I was like, but the audiences really laugh at it. And she went, audiences reward bad behaviour. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to. Oh, wow, like, that's it, a great... Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Like, just remembering that, oh, yeah, because of course. So, And I, and I don't swear on stage, because someone really early on said, uh, swear words aren't punchlines. But audiences yeah. will laugh like they are. But you don't. Yeah. it's not satisfying. Well, there's, there's... I mean, I think I'm... I'm I'm a big fan of swearing, but in in its context and yes. and with an awareness of it. Again, um, I admire swearing with people who use it brilliantly. Yeah, there are some people yeah. who really use it to, as an underlining thing and all rhythm and, and the sound of it. But um, and it, there's a lovely Seinfeld quote where he says, "If a a joke's got a swear word in it, it's not finished yet." Yeah, yeah, and I think because I think that's it. You can f- f- fall back on it as as laziness. It's easy yeah. to just say fuck the Tories. Yeah. Yeah, but course. that's a lazy protest. Yeah. There's far more. If you want to actually go into depth, you can yeah. go, right, here's the reason yes. the Tories aren't good yeah. and here's this and that. Whereas, Well, that's interesting because actually... That's a tough one because there is the balance as well. I do like a good... <laughs> because comedy's cathartic, because you laugh, it doesn't agitate. So actually, politically, it's really fun, but it's not that useful. Yeah, yeah, I guess um, so. If you want to make someone feel angry or upset or question, for instance, a political situation, that's what we're talking about, jokes undermine you. Right, yeah, So yeah, there are yeah. lots of people who do really great political stuff, but I think it should be considered only as entertainment. Yeah. And actually the people who, and I've seen this, and this is going to make me sound awful, um, because it's cathartic, the people who then become fans of political comedy can sometimes use it as a way of going, well, I'm a great person because I laughed at that person's jokes about the Tories, yeah. rather than like, yeah, but look how... What, this is why um, we have no censorship in our country. It's because it's not damaging to the political system, and that's the main thing. Yeah. Like, um Michael Frayn said something brilliant in the 70s that I read recently, and it was such a good reminder. He said that um, the satirists were criticising the political system that had made them famous. As yeah. in, like, it worked for them. So it was so much yeah. easier to do an impression of a politician yeah. than to actually overthrow it and, and be yeah. ugly about it. So what you do is you criticise it while getting paid by it, while it wor- it's worked for you, it made them rich. Yeah, yeah, and it's completely... I was, I was, I was discussing this um, on one of the other podcasts. I'm, I'm not sure if it will be going out mm. before or after this, but w- what you were saying there about people who like political c- comedy, it then... Um, Implicates them essentially yeah. to not actually have to take action because yeah, it's, it's like, well, I'm, you know, I watch this and go, yeah, yeah they're really bad, yeah. rather we, than actually doing agreeing, something. Look at all of us agreeing with each other, but via not actually entertainment, doing yeah, of course. Yeah. And also, that's the thing is you can feel like you've done something. I feel like um, I'm trying to write stand up about it. That box sets, how good television's got, has killed socialism because we use all yeah. of our emotions on fictional characters and fictional stories that are so yeah. great we don't even realise that we're yeah. not living them yeah. that all of our bodies should be experiencing all of these things in real life but we yeah. don't have to anymore yeah I always 
I loved hearing a quote with um, of of Doug Stanhope, or it, it, mm. I think it was in part of his in one of his sets, and he was talking about a lot of observational comedy in in general. But again, how yeah. it it's exactly that it, we get our emotion out there, and that's that he was saying something like it was he gave an example of Jerry Seinfeld because mm. that's what everyone kind yeah. of gives an example mm. of for observational, and he was saying like, isn't it annoying when you know this yeah. happens on airlines? And Doug Stanhope was like, he's always sitting thinking, yeah, that that is real like. And let's do something about it. Yeah. There's 200 of us here yeah. now. Like yeah. We can march. Yeah. We can go and make yeah. a change yeah. now. Let's, if, if people let's wrote do a letter, this. they'd think, oh, hang on, people cared enough yeah. to... Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, so it's, again, he was saying he can't do observational because he wouldn't finish a set because he'd start on it and yeah. they'd go, right, actually, yeah. they're only up the road. Their they're office is right. Let's would, all go now. I would now. love to watch an observational comic <laughs> actually get himself that much of a tizzy of like, why are we laughing? Why are we laughing? <laughs> exactly. Let's just go and yeah. do something. Let's make a change. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, you, uh, uh, when you write, mm. so how much of a of of of, uh, of of it is right? Here's a funny idea, and how much is right? I've got a a message I need to get across, or it anything comes, like that. It comes from both ways. Because the beautiful thing about Edinburgh is you have a really long time. Yeah. So actually, with an Edinburgh show, you don't have to go. Well, I don't know what's funny about that yet. So say, for instance, I want to talk about one year. I want to talk about boobs and breast enlargements. Yeah. And so there's lots of funny things you could say but I didn't quite know yet I just knew I wanted to talk about it and watching people like Josie and Bridget and how they formed their shows and having seen them preview and Josie said and she was right talk about the idea on stage because if people are interested then it's worth adding jokes to and if they're not then it's not and then you think okay fine and also she goes just trust there'll always be jokes there jokes will come and so I do I would much more now and actually it's much easier once you become a bit more established people are a bit more forgiving if it's new material night or something, for you to go. It kind I just of gives you a bit more time, right, yeah. to allow it to and get to where think, it needs oh, to that's, be. Oh, that's interesting. That person thinks that, so you have a bit, you have a bit more leeway. Yeah. And the, but then, quite often, if you can't make it funny, then it can't go in. Yeah. It's just the thing. And yeah. again, still, there are there are subjects I wanted to talk about, and it's really old now. But they were thinking about, well, they were considering what to do with um, niqabs in this country. Yeah. And whether they would be outlawed in schools and courts and places like that. And I really, really, really want to talk about it because I think it's really interesting how, because we, and a lot of feminists think that because um, it's a kind of symbolic, what is it? It's a symbol of uh, patriarchal oppression of women in a culture. Yeah. They they use that to excuse something which is an absolute abuse of women's human rights. Yeah. And it's really, and then so I was trying to use other examples like cosmetic surgery of things that are very much an example of patriarchy in our culture. Yeah. But what I found was the the minute, the second I said the word niqab, it stopped being funny. There was something right. about a white woman trying to speak on behalf, and, and I still haven't yeah, worked out a way to do it. restricted that. And but it's just the format isn't right yet. There'll be a way. There'll be a story where it will become clear that I'm allowed to do it. If that mm. makes sense. And I, and actually, I really respect audiences that their sensitivity goes. Like, why are you trying to make comedy out of something that is yeah, uncomfortable yeah. to us? And yeah, that's yeah, great though. That's got to yeah. be um, a, a great motivation in its, itself to have those things that, that you're like. I know there's something there. Yes. I know that I I, yeah. I can get to that at some point. Yeah. I'll be able to. That's the beauty of a job that, that is together. just communication. Is sometimes going. I can communicate exactly what I mean here, and other times like, no, I'm still too messy with this. Mm. So I need to work out exactly what I feel. And how to present that, which isn't telling other people what to think. Yeah. Because that's the I hate. Um, actually, I will use the word hate when someone <laughs> someone preaches, especially comedians. Yeah. Because I feel like you are a clown. <laughs> you are yeah. one of life's losers. Yeah. Do not yeah. tell me not how to live my life. And the fact is, it's it's always tough in anything 
I like that because it is it is a performance and it is a, sh- a show. It's yeah. it's rarely a one off moment. No, you're you're recreating your anger yeah. and your bio and yeah. your and, and yeah. your righteousness about something that probably didn't happen because they've paid you to yes, kind exactly. of thing. It's kind for of... our entertainment and um, and also because because with jokes you have to fictionalise to make things slightly funnier anyway. Yep. So you always end up far from away from what you, what you actually mean. Yeah, yeah. At what point did you realise that? You have to fictionalise, and that's fine. Because I've yeah. always felt I, I found when I was I was writing the second, I went, actually, it doesn't matter yeah. if it's true. It's well, I you know, um, it is I, what it is. I forgive myself because memory in itself is obviously fictionalised. Yeah. It's um, really, course. really subjective. We remember things that didn't happen, and we would swear blind that they I was did, say, and easily influenced yes. as, as well. There's many yeah. memories that you'll be able to re- reflect upon because. Your parents have told that story yeah. so many times, or, or things like that. you see the photograph, and be, you feel like you yeah. were there. You feel like you took it. Yeah yeah, 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 and yeah, stories from before you were born that you feel like you were there for. Yeah. So memory itself is so fictional, and I th- and I think it's a healthy way to think about it. And um, so remember remembering something. What I found that with stand up, you've probably found the same. Me writing something up to talk to other people about it. I remember how I wrote it, not what happened. Eventually, yeah. that's yeah. how I remember. Yeah, it. completely. And I actually found that's a kind of containment. I don't mind that, especially if something. It's bad, and you can be more flippant about it, or learn to understand it. You wrote actually some things I've put into a little box in a story. Like at the moment, I'm writing a book, and so there's something that's always been upsetting my whole life. Not upsetting hugely, but um, my mum always used to tell me that my dad wanted me aborted, mm-hmm. and it was a way of her like not making me like my dad. And they were both teenagers, yeah. so actually, as an adult, I understand like uh, probably every teenager who gets pregnant, probably anyone who gets pregnant has to have that conversation quickly. Like, are we okay with this? Or yeah. one of you gets scared and goes, I don't know if we can do this. I just don't think you should tell your adolescent kids about it. But I've written no, up a exactly. thing in my book about how great I am for the world and how gutted my dad is. <laughs> and, like, and that, in, in a way, like just finding this like funny thing as I wrote about it, just suddenly made it all fine. Like yeah. I've made, I found a way that this is like, you see, Dad, look what you'd have denied the planet. Again, <laughs> as, as ridiculous as it, it sounds or as overblown as it yeah. sounds, it kind of it allows you to own those moments yeah. more and, and it becomes, as soon as it becomes a thing on, on stage, because I remember with certain, again, I generally write yeah. fictions. They'll yeah. be drawn from personal mm. experience, but fictions, I remember there was a particular piece um, that... I'm going to sound arrogant now, yeah. but I wrote it so well yeah. that my mum kind of was genuinely worried because yeah. she was like, you're having to perform this mm. every night and it's such an emotional piece. But it was like, well, no, it's it's an emotional piece for those three and a half minutes on stage. Mm. After that, yeah. it's fine. And that's kind yeah. of the beauty of that, of, yeah. of, of getting to perform in that way, I guess. Um, and let's uh, uh, talk about The Fringe a bit, if, oh, yeah. if that's okay, because mm. that's where... I, we first met yes, and I first yeah. uh, saw your no, show. No, we didn't. We met in Josie's podcast. Do you not remember? Oh, we did meet on Josie's yeah, podcast, yes. Yeah, but not properly, yes. but we just, I met you on the stairs and yeah, she just yeah, pulled both we of us in. Over. Yeah, me, you and Peter Serafinowicz. That's no, right. Yeah, oh, we did yeah, the oh, voices. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, I was petrified on that because I'd literally been pulled in yeah, you right just at the finished, last minute. And I'd literally been doing in, something else. And I'd been with Josie somewhere else and she said come and do this thing of course. and I didn't know that Peter was going to be there who obviously is amazing at accents and voices that was that was my exact thing that's yeah. why that's probably blank from my memory because my fear yeah. was she was like oh yeah alright to do this I'm yeah okay she's like oh here's Peter so, like, yeah exactly the best person in the world best, yeah. to do this yeah. is now yeah your co-actor the, 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that was an intimidating. <laughs> so intimidating. Scary also, moment. I've never heard it, so I think maybe you got thrown in the bin. No, I was going to say I've never, <laughs> never heard it either. I remember being excited about it because I was like, man, that was cool. Because yes. normally I'm very much one. I, I've changed it over over recent years, but I was always one for just no being uh, my go-to answer oh, really? as a defence mechanism, yeah. whatever. And that was a really good moment where I was like, well, it crossed my mind to say, I've like mm. living out in yes, Essex still yeah. is always an easy. Get yeah. out of any night out, yeah. any social yeah. occasion, anything like that. I go, yeah. I've got to get back to Essex because I've got yeah. that that, that Sorry, weirdness life. in I me. I live in Essex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't come and be with you. Um, but that was one where I was like, yes, I will do this mm. just spontaneously. Yeah. And then it was petrifying because yeah. it was like a, a Peter and yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I yeah, I don't know if anything ever happened of that. No, that never. No. One, <laughs> never day, that one day, day. one day, one <laughs> day. I reckon Peter must have been awful, and and we smashed it, and he just he obviously... was really holding us back. <laughs> I, rem- I remember we had to do a lot of extra takes for his stuff. <laughs> so, but yeah, but then again, but yeah, the Edinburgh Festival again, the French, and and that was my first time there, and my only time performing there. And I think it's fucking amazing, and and it must be even more so for. A, a comedians, particularly um, when you're starting out or, or or doing a lot of open mic type slots, where you're so restricted to here's your ten, fifteen, or twenty minutes to be f- funny to go right. I've got an hour yeah. to to craft this and do it. It's a, it's a completely different um, discipline. So I guess mm. if you're a musician, you just you play songs of different lengths, but yeah. they're songs, and then and. That's Completely, weird. I was, I was yeah. so self-conscious of my set because I felt it felt like if I ever go back, I want to do more of a show because that to me felt like although I crafted it and put jokes in, it, it was still a gig. Yeah. It's still essentially doing mm. a set list rather than a show. shows like yours and shows yeah. like Brett's, Brett's yeah. and a few others that I just watched and I was like, what am I doing? How am I? I, well, I, I can't actually, get away because it's happens, just so. Everyone's it's all first there. Edinburgh as a comic tends to be their best stuff. The greatest in, hits. Yeah, so in a row. Yeah. And then because you have to start the next year's the fun stuff because then you have to write something from scratch, which yeah. means that you have an, either an idea or my third show, no, my fourth show, I wrote with a structure and then put material into it. I knew what I wanted to do and actually I didn't do it. But I started off with a framework and it was so fun to go. I don't have it, but I know I need to have a thing about hats here. Yeah. Or I know I wanted to I wanted to talk about consciousness. It's my fourth show. I want to talk about how if we we must be kind to children. We're taught moralistic. You have to be kind to children because they have like they they're growing a consciousness and you have to be kind yeah. to old people because they're losing their consciousness. But animals we don't want to admit that they have a consciousness. Yeah. And if they don't, absence of consciousness should mean that their pain is actually has no framework of understanding. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to talk about animals, but I never got to the animal bit. But I knew I had to go, like, I need a story about an old people's home, something horrific happening. I used yeah. to work in old people's homes, so I managed to find something. Yeah. <laughs> and then I knew I had to have this, and that was really great to go, yeah, it wasn't routines. I'm trying to work out a link. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, another thing about my mum, hats. <laughs> She's oh, got a head. Oh, that's and, it. It's, yeah. it's one of those things that when you're, uh, when you've honed your skill at writing, part of the 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 challenge then is figuring out w- what to write about. Mm. So if you're then like, right, here's yeah. here's the structure. Yeah, I can now do, do that. that. Yeah. Or my next show, I want to write um, something very silly, but I want to write about um, stories that no one would want to tell. Yeah. So like conspiracy theories or un- first drafts or yeah. stories with no endings. And just yeah, have, yeah, just have yeah. this idea as a fun thing, and it's just really great that then yeah, you're allowed. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah, it's so, great, so, but it's also awful. I was going to say, how yeah. petrifying is it as well? Because it's it's the only thing in the world I can think of, and I wanted. I, I've started talking 
to Rob Alton and to, to Brett and a few other yeah. people because I want to start doing a um, just a digital download thing because I did I filmed my Edinburgh show and had that on yeah. download and the thing that struck me the most was there's so many amazing shows that get thrown away immediately because mm. you, you oh, do it but once. I don't know that it is then, thrown away. I mean, I think the, feel, the, 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 well, I think the thing about live forms is that they. I was going to say toilet paper, but it's not toilet paper. It's somewhere between toilet paper and a painting. That's what yeah. it is. So, okay. You don't put it on the mantelpiece, but you can remember that it happened. Yeah. Like, I think if yeah. you were there, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an experience in your life. It's like going to dinner with somebody. Yeah. And um, I think there's, the, the reason it's brilliant is that it's gone. Yeah, I think it's... the reason that it's not great to watch stand-up on telly and having someone's DVD isn't the same as being there, yeah. especially in Edinburgh... The people who go and who are an audience for it, I think part of the attraction Means, is they're not going to buy an album yeah. of it. They're not going to. Such a weird. Yeah. I, I find it such a weird conflict because, as I said, I, there there was, was was certain shows I saw that year, and I say yours, Brett's, this guy Rob Alton, um, a Tom Rosenthal. I really enjoyed yeah. his his set as well, and it. I felt really sad that when I'm. You know, I guess mm. I guess partly because I was up there on my own. Yeah. So so when I want to talk to someone about this, mm. there's no there's no a frame of yeah. reference. And so I, I love the idea of doing these these just cheap downloads of of dead Edinburgh yes, shows yeah. essentially. But yeah. equally, I've become more and more annoyed that there's no need to actually venture out to do anything anymore because everything yes. is available yeah. from your living room. Exactly. So I kind of agree. Yeah. yeah. If everything's yeah, like, conflicted in the middle there. We went there. to Paris and. Um, uh, you can't get anywhere near the Mona Lisa um, or those the, the Venus de Milo the yeah, thing, yeah. because there's 40 people ahead of you but with their phones in there yeah. you think like but the thing they're... is who would you ever show that to but actually what they're taking a picture of is the crowd of people with their phones in the air it's, like yeah. this, it's incredible as a cycle because actually yeah, you're looking at so 400 weird, people it? with the their phones in the air the attraction becomes yeah, yeah, nothing attracts it. a crowd like a crowd yeah, kind but of thing. actually standing there I've got a Nokia that doesn't have picture messages or anything. Yeah. And I, that sounds pretentious, but I really like those moments where I go, I'm the only person just having a memory. I can yeah. see this so much better than all of you. Yeah. And, oh, going to see music gigs now, which I don't do very often. But it's actually really irritating. People are holding up iPads yeah. and you're going, that is stopping you and living your life. iPads as well. Yeah. It's such a, yeah, it's a weird thing. And, it, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm conflicted on that because years ago... Uh, my year at uni I was doing photography and um, I went on holiday um, I did my year I didn't like it so I mm. became a photographer yeah. and I went on holiday with my dad and his girlfriend and her daughters and on that they were all g getting annoyed at my lack of desire to take f photos because yeah. I was like well that's not n yeah. number one that's not the kind of photography yeah. I do but number two my argument was always number one I want to just experience it mm. and number two I've got friends who are, who will believe me when I tell them what I saw. I yes. won't need to go, oh, yeah. we saw this amazing yeah. thing. Like, Bullshit. <laughs> Here's a picture. Yes. All right. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Fair play. I don't need proof of everything. but mm. yeah. I think it creates a kind of dissonance as well, right? So the photograph of the thing doesn't actually look like how it looks and it can't. And that's, I know that's the point of photography as an art form is that you, you tell a story for it yeah. and then something... Is, but I do think, again, it affects the memory. You remember it like that the sky slightly less blue or slightly more blue or not yeah. quite there. And I think it's a thing, I don't know if you've ever watched yourself, but what's so odd is it changes your memory of how it felt. Yeah. Something that you think was great, you look at it and go, oh, I hate myself. I hate yeah. myself that I did that. I've, I've, and vice versa. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I've got the 
exact opposite. When I had, had, had Frank Turner on the podcast a yeah. while ago and we played with him, supporting him at, at, at Wembley Arena. Wow. And I really didn't enjoy the gig. Mm. It was it was kind of odd because it was just too too big and yeah. too it's, it wasn't what I'm used to. Again, mm. I'm sure if it was a headline show, you'd have that great connection. But I remember throughout the gig, I was like, just mm. three more songs oh, and just kind of getting through. Yeah. But the photo that Dan took from then is one of my happiest memories yes. as such because yeah. it's like, wow, we're there and that's yeah. an amazing thing. So, yeah, yeah. I guess it works in yeah. both ways. But then essentially, as we were saying on how in comedy... And in general, you you rewrite memories. It's essentially the same thing, right? How with with photography, will change the past, as will your yeah. ch- development of a story, I guess. Yeah. But then, if someone says to you, "What were you doing on holiday?" It's like, "Oh, holding my iPhone in the air." Yeah, <laughs> the it's taking time. loads of pictures. Yeah, living for the. I get that's the thing. It is incredibly hard to live in the moment, though. Yeah, like, I do understand that that it is so hard. Yeah, to not to be like Simon Amstel who I love as a comedian. He's so brilliant. His first show, he had a bit about how he was trying to live in the moment and he was in Paris and someone, a girl with really weird hair, had said, let's run. And they were running down the Champs-Élysées. I haven't pronounced it wrong. And that's my Essex pronunciation. And uh, the Champs-Élysées. And he was thinking, this is it, isn't it? I mean, this is going to be a memory. <laughs> that's, like, that's so often the inner monologue. It's like, ooh, this will be something to tell someone. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. it's already in there. It's... If someone was looking at this, they'd think this is really good life happening right yeah. now. Yeah, I, 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 was, I, was, um, I was telling a story to my girlfriend the other day and it was a stupid thing about how I'm, I'm, I'm trying to run a lot at the moment mm. and there's a particular point I run past and there's um, a thing that, that that flashes if you're speeding that says slow down, <gasps> yeah. which obviously I don't trigger. Yes. But as I've got my headphones in, listen to podcasts, yeah. this one time I was jogging along there, so I couldn't hear a car coming. And I just had a great moment yeah. of looking up and it's saying slow yeah. down and me giving a little yeah. kind of a look. But as I was telling this story, I was like, and then I couldn't think of a way to put that into 140 characters to tweet it and yeah. all that. And she kind of highlighted, like, that's really sad that, that was, that's, that's become the preoccupation of, yeah. of the story. I was like, how yeah. can I tell all of this emotion and this moment again for a throwaway thing mm. but how can I get that into a tweet and it's like well but maybe I think I okay, so to put a positive slant on it so the whole thing now like human beings our entire brain is set up to make us amazing communicators being yeah. social is the most important thing so the fact is yeah all the time that's why language exists and how complicated it is because the most basic human instinct is like how can I tell others of my story yeah and it's how yeah other people will feed themselves and 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 be safe from danger. So actually the instinct to want to share is, is really healthy. It's just yeah. that it looks horrible because it's Twitter. It just looks horrible because yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, I just need to, yeah. need to just tell to validate myself this through this. And, uh, no, what's awful is when you then start looking at favourites and retweets going, I thought that was a really good thing. And you te- find yourself telling someone else, could you retweet my tweet? Because I think I must have put really it on good. too early. Miss, uh, yeah. There's a brilliant... Um, a, a, a Hannibal Buress bit where he's talking about how um, on Facebook he got obsessed with that kind of thing and it's worse because he, he won't just look at how many likes he's got he'll click on to tell you who's liked it and he's like oh, a Martin Smith likes some shit like that does he Is that, that's, that's the kind of thing Martin Smith's into I get it I get you it's like, I've done that myself I've yeah. clicked and looked at who yeah. has liked yeah. he's like yeah, what information I don't know are any of these people yeah. what is it's weird the digital yes. world is strange it but, is um, strange so Again, I want to come back round to, to to what you put into your comedy. I know I'm kind of going ab- about the same stuff, but 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 one of the things I really enjoyed um, of your Fringe show th- uh, that year, and I've I've caught you at a couple of festivals as well since. But what I liked with that was there was there was a lot of really nice 
philosophy in there and stuff that g- g- genuinely I was I was learning and 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 and, and coming away with information. But again, it didn't feel like a lecture or preach. Yeah. It, it was in nice. Do you? Do a lot of research when writing, yes. or is that just yes, from stuff that you know? But or? that's because I don't have a funny life. Right. Like, honestly, yeah. if I have someone, I speak to someone, I tell you who's brilliant, James Acaster. He's just, he's stand up so good, he gets more and more sublime every year. Yeah. And he genuinely has a funny life. Yeah. He goes to get a ticket or to complain about something, the person is weird and says odd things, and he says the wrong thing, and this whole thing escalates. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why can't I have a, why can't someone just fall over and <laughs> give me 20 minutes? Yeah. And um, so I, read a lot anyway and that's and that's my pleasure yeah. and and then so that's what feeds into my work is so what's happening to you becomes that's the other thing like a show is a diary really of your last 12 months and sometimes that will be oh I had a life event or like people have babies or get married or have breakups or a parent dies yeah. and you have to write a show about it because that's all you're thinking about and then for so for me it's what I've been reading but I do occasionally I'll steer what I'm reading because I'll read one thing and go, oh, I want to do a show about this. So last year I read about sperm selection and it blew my mind. Yeah. And then I knew I wanted to kind of do a show about female sexuality and um, how it had evolved. And now that's pretty much all I'm into. And I know so much about sperm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, let's you, oh, can I tell you? Let's so, have some top facts. So men, well, men and women, the importance of masturbation is... so. It, Masturbation is really important to conception. Right. So if, if men don't masturbate for about three days, their sperm get really geriatric, oh, which wow. means that they're sleepy. And um, basically, sperm travel through mucus uh, inside the woman in tiny, tiny little tunnels. Yeah. And if um, geriatric sperm, all they do is they get in their holes and they just go to, like, they curl up yeah. and they block it. So sperm, all of sperm's behaviour is to attack... Well, 99% of sperm's behaviour is to attack or defend from other men's sperm. Yeah. Which is how we know that we have multi-partners yeah. in terms of where we've evolved from. Yeah, the yeah, monogamy yeah. isn't natural. But our brain shows that as well. We have social brains, not monogamous brains. Right. Really interestingly. Um, so the geriatric sperm can't um, fertilise and they can't attack other men's so you have two kinds of sperm, kamikaze and egg getters. Kamikaze, you have blockers and fighters. It's really interesting, and they can't fertilise So it is like a little like American a football team yeah. that you've got, yeah. Yeah, and um, they live for about three days inside a woman, so oh, wow. she would go off. In terms of like an animal behaviour, having sex all the time, and every species they think is monogamous, when they watch them for long enough, they're not. There's a, there was this bird mm. for ages that they thought, a kind of thrush that they thought was monogamous. And they, they pair bond and they pair bond for life. And um, then they watched them more and they saw that sometimes like, they'd be out picking it fruit. It comes out with a little moustache yeah, on yeah. <laughs> <out> the <laughs> They'd be out picking fruit, the, the male and the female. And then she just goes round the bush, has sex with another guy, comes around the other side wow. and nothing's happened. Classy birds. Uh, but, um, in the majority of species, it's, um, yeah, it's the female that kind of leads that because she has to make sure she has the healthiest children. And yeah. healthiest children means lots of partners. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. So is a lot of that going to be in a future? No, is that's that, my last that, show, but I'm writing a book, I'm writing a book cool. now because I've, there's now lots and lots of things that I think... It's, really it's just interesting because it, yeah. it goes quite... I'd, I'd, I'd love to have a double bill of that and Brett's sh- yes. sh- show about uh, when he tried to stop stop masturbating and watching porn well, for well, actually, his a, pornography a, 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 thing, amount of time, which I, I thought was an amazing... It's so amazing and it's so important to talk about and I think he talks about... Because he was talking about it in a personal way. If I talk about pornography, say if like, I'm anti-pornography, then I'm coming at it from 
maybe a, a situation not of understanding it properly or not of having mm-hmm. experience or being scared by the idea of it. Whereas I think Brett's you just, personal take. You look at Brett and you can tell he really understands Paul yeah. and he's got <laughs> yeah. a great depth and understanding it's a of it. Disgusting perverse <laughs> Brett Goldstein. <laughs> oh, that show is so brilliant and yeah. um, and I really and I hope actually when he's super famous he tours that really properly because yeah. I, I feel like it was such a brilliant way to talk about things that are affecting so many people's lives I agree and we're so bold yeah. and open yeah. with that and yeah. with the and so sweet I just feel yeah, yeah. I, think, I think sometimes people can attack a subject and be a, too aggressive so like yeah. telling the audience off rather than like this is why I chose not to do this anymore yeah um, yeah yeah, he's really clever. He's because I think he spends two years writing his shows, and I think you can really tell because the edges are so smoothed down. They always yeah. feel like it's always interconnect- interconnected into this way. Yeah, it, mm. it 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 weaves nicely. So um, so on from Edinburgh yeah. and, and shows. We uh, I wanted to talk to you about panel shows. I talked oh, a yeah. lot to, to to Josie about women on panel shows. Oh, yeah. So we'll get into a yeah, bit of okay. that because it's an interesting. Yeah, obviously. When I had Josie on, it was just after Andrew Lawrence had oh, yes. had his 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 rant about mm. as, such things. But I want to just start off with your um, appearance on QI, which oh, yeah. was I was I, I loved because you just went on there and smashed it. It was and so brilliant. Do you know what? So I said so, I was um, so since I was about fourteen or fifteen, I just had this idea that me and Stephen Fry would be friends. And actually, when my mum came with me to that, yeah. and um, she met Stephen Fry in the uh, makeup room beforehand, and she went. When Sarah was a child, she read all your books. And he said, you saying I write children's books? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's very precocious. But I wasn't. I was about 14, 15, and I read all of his books. And I, I loved... I think it was because like, he taught me the word... or he, not he, he, One of his books had the word autodidact. So I hadn't realised right. that was what I was. Yeah. Like someone who wants to teach themselves and wants to learn. And because he has a really great way of making really intelligent, clever things seem accessible to everyone. He's so unpatronising. In yeah. real life... Like after that record, he was talking to me about, um, I think he was talking to me about the Hundred Years War or something, and he kept talking to me like I understood what he was saying. I kept having to say, oh, sorry, who is that person? Yeah. And, and what is this? And he was like, of course, you'll know this. And then he tells you, so you don't have to say, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing, that's, I think, is one of the most underrated traits to be yeah. able to say, I don't understand this, because yeah. I think so many people don't have that. And I've always, I don't know, it took me a while to learn, but I love... I love to learn I'm wrong, for, mm. for example. I've oh. got no, no issue with that at all, of someone going, actually, yeah. what you've the outlook you've put there, here's a conflict one, and it kind of proves yeah. that you're, you're wrong. Think, it's like, I think yeah, being able to let go of it, if you can, it's like, oh, being wrong doesn't make you a bad person. No. I'm not being clever. At, like, it's because we're t- if we're being, told, being stupid or ignorant is a bad trait. Yeah. But, so, but it's really hard. And I think it's, but it's the same with work. I have to find, like, you can't go on stage if you're really bothered about failure. You have to go, failure doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. you have to stop. That's not the end. It's yeah. a, it's, it carries on. It's a journey. Yeah. It's not a... Um, so, yeah, admitting that... And also, when you say that you don't know, then people tell you everything and then you know it. Yeah, That's exactly. That's you it's gain the best, things. And, the best and, way to learn. And being flexible about opinions. I mean, you think you're right, you're wrong about everything. It's yeah. always new information. There's always another side. Everything's subjective. It's so important to go like, yeah, yeah. I don't know Completely. why they went to war with Iraq. I just don't know. I haven't got a clue. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can you just clarify? Yeah. Then it's clarified. Or, or what it's do you think? Or, what do you thing. think? We none of us know for definite. What do you think about yeah. it? I yeah. mean, this, what you were, I was saying there about being comfortable with um, with it not always going well as yeah. well, and not always oh, oh, working on stage. It's a it's a weird example, but I've always felt um, the TV show Big Brother is. Becomes a, a fascinating example of how 
of how we shouldn't be because people get so angry about nominations. I've not watched in a few years, yeah. but people used to get very angry about nominations. And the fact is, all the nominations are saying, you're the one I I like are the least out of this group. Yeah. And that's seen as a hideous thing, but I don't yeah. think that is. I think you should be okay with... Like, I not don't know. Being, I think you should know, be comfortable look, with hey, not everyone uh, thinking well, actually, that you're biggest, wonderful. The biggest thing, actually, and one of, well, no, not the biggest, one of the first things you have to learn if you're going to win any kind of public performance is that you are not going to be liked by everyone. Yeah. So the thing that's so horrible at school, the thing that feels so horrible growing up that you can't please everyone, then becomes a fact of your life. That in any room, a percentage of people think you are doing your job badly, yeah. should not be allowed to do your job. Yeah. Or just technically, with comedy, it's always like, that's not comedy. <laughs> they yeah. can actually undermine it. Like, you didn't. You yeah. didn't do comedy then because yeah. I didn't laugh. <laughs> Definitely did. The, yeah. the slogan of, of my record label um, is we may not be for you and that's fine because I think that is just the, the best the best thing to, uh, to live by I don't yeah. believe in the term underrated yeah. I think that's, 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 I, that's, that's a what, silly that's weird growing up I remember people saying like when people say like oh like cold play our shit and in me it's like what, did they not learn to play their instruments did they not turn up yeah. to the gig one time I think um, and that's the thing I have to and it's to stop me becoming too anxious about work that I forgig where they don't laugh as long as I've done my time yeah. <laughs> and I, I did my best I have to be really good of like you're still allowed to call that an achievement. Yeah. Like, you didn't turn up really drunk. You didn't not turn up. No. You've... You did this thing, and it's okay that sometimes it's not... It's and again, not, you yeah. did this thing that... Um, I, I can't think... Again, I'm just a reference in every other stand-up now, but I, I can't think of it was, but I always remember stand-up explaining to the crowd that they've been to far more comedy gigs than the crowd have so oh, yes, this yes. is funny yeah. this, you know I guarantee oh, yeah, you this is that. amusing and entertaining well, and kind crowds, of... but I liked it once Stuart Lee once got heckled in Edinburgh and it's it, it's a perfect example of how to deal with it because someone shouted out you're not funny and he said no you don't think I'm funny Yeah. some people think I'm funny some people here might think I'm funny some people at other gigs think I'm funny some people always don't think I'm funny yeah. but you are absolutely entitled to not enjoy this Yeah. Yeah. and that's fine and I think Having compassion, I, I love about com- what I love about comedy is that it's um, it's classless and that it's not bourgeois and people can tell you that they hate you or they can get up and leave. Or they can just go to the bar. They can do it in polite ways yeah. or they can do it in very rude ways. But I yeah. love that no one ever feels oppressed, even though you've got a microphone. They know that part of your job is occasionally having to deal with customer feedback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just part of it. And although it can be horrible, I think it's really important that that never stops. Yeah. You never get... I love it. Like, there's people who are really hugely famous, who someone will bring a Greek guy to their show who's never heard of them, who will then just be giving them shit. And they'll be like, I think I'm too big for this now. It's like, never. We're never too big for it. Yeah, There'll always be yeah, someone. Yeah, that's always there. Yeah. There's someone that's, that's not going to be completely on board. And yeah. in a way, the bigger you get, as you were saying how you get more, that's a slight bit more leniency in, because there's there's trust in that you yeah. are taking this yes, somewhere. Yeah. If you're playing to someone who's never heard of you yeah, you're, they don't you're have back the trust. You've, yeah. you've, you may have got comfortable yes. with that trust and yeah. allowed too much mm. of I'm getting to the funny bit but you know yeah. I can dawdle through here but that's why comedians like, well, go no, to other countries like, I went to Melbourne last year and it was like starting all over again because like, your yeah. audience has all been comped in because you haven't sold any tickets and they didn't even clap me on because someone's <laughs> just gone to them in the shopping mall and gone do you want to list this for free so their yeah. expectation is so low they taught me again. Oh, yeah! No one's excited to see you. You have to start all over again yeah. from the wow. yeah, shaking their hand. Hello. Yeah, I can do this so, job. So, so having grown up yeah. being an, a massive fan of Stephen Fry, how was it to go on there and oh yeah, so that's the thing. have information and intelligence and have stuff for him to go? Wow. So, so actually, that first one because I've done it three times now. But that first one, what it yeah. was, so 
it's because I'd had this fantasy as like a teenager that all of my reading would one day come in useful and um and I and sometimes even when I'd had bad gigs when I started stand up, I used to imagine Stephen Fry in my head, like there'd be silence in the room, and I'd imagine like Stephen Fry going, <laughs> "Very good, like that, right?" So I had this thing, <laughs> That's and um, and I and then he was really charming, really lovely, so nice to my mum, and that was so important yeah. to me that he was just. And then at the end, he kind of like sought her out, to say goodbye as she was leaving. Like, what a charming man! Yeah, and um, but actually, on the show, because you don't get to prep. Every other panel show is all fake, as everybody right. hopefully. I haven't ruined that no, for anybody. No, that's fine, that's fine. Um, they give you uh, the the questions that you're going to be asked, so you know what topics are going to come up, so you don't look like an idiot. You yeah. protect yourself from idiocy. Whereas QI, the only thing they say to you is it's like a dinner party, so don't speak over people talk where you want to there's no other rules than that but the conversation should be rolling and it's much slower than lots of the panel shows yeah. and which does mean there's long bits where no one's very funny but yeah. they're just yeah. talking about the thing and sometimes people get more excited and sometimes it gets a bit more boring but on this show just, just stuff happened and it was literally like I had imagined in my delusions of grandeur as a 16 year old if something happened I'd be like I know why they do that or oh my god and it just linked to things that I knew about and then at the end Stephen Fry he said and I've never watched it back because again I want to remember how it felt not how it looked and um, he said a sentence like and I'd want it and he said my points then he said something like what a fabulous QI brain I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of her and then I was like oh it's a dream (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a dream <laughs> it's gone too smoothly yeah. oh god I see I'm dreaming this now right now um, I love it it was really it was a really fantastic thing to do and it's that's what's really wonderful about my job is it does allow these incredible experiences as offshoots of it yeah they just come up and are a, a gift and lovely and um, yeah I've, I'm talking about QI and my stand up at the moment because like, that's my version of like you know because people always um because I'm 33 now and I haven't had children and people ask about it. It's a cliche, just but people do start thinking, oh, yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, because they're having a really great time having kids. But it's a really subjective experience, isn't it, that? Yeah. And I want to say to them, oh, have you been on QI? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't think I wanted to be on QI yeah. until I was on QI. <laughs> and then, like, because that's my, like, yeah, yeah, I've got a thing that I think everyone should do. Yeah, yeah, they should all experience. Yeah. So, so how does that then mm. translate to other panel shows because obviously oh, yeah. as we touched upon yes. there's been a lot yeah. of talk in the last year or so of of women on panel shows it's a really it's odd thing right? a really because weird change in although I scope. knew I was a girl mm-hmm. I did not become aware I didn't identify as a woman until doing comedy when people just yeah. tell you about it all the time I've always felt like a person yeah I always felt like a person I've, I didn't I wasn't I didn't feel like I was a girly or boyish I just always felt like a person, a human being, and that's a really good sign of not having, I guess, felt oppressed ever. Yeah, I mean, this is going to, this is a really bad thing to uh, to liken that to. But I've had that with being tall. I never knew, I never thought about, I never knew I was tall particularly until I started doing something. And everyone now, oh, you're taller than I expected, and you're Uh, you're taller in in real life. And it's like I now think of myself as a tall person, whereas I've not grown. No, and again, it's not self-imposed. Yeah, it's not how you identify. So it wasn't until other people do. So then I guess you do become really heightened aware of it. And I think that the only difficulty is. In any types of creativity, again, it comes back to that failure thing. You've got to be allowed to be shit to make stuff. You've got to be allowed to be uh, messy, clumsy with it sometimes because you're trying to get at something. And if there's part of you thinking you're representing, whether that's your race or your country you come from or your gender, the danger is that responsibility you feel means that you think you can't be bad. So the decision I made when I first got offered... Power Panel Show Centre Works, you do lots of warm-ups for them, as in, like, dry run-throughs where they... So no one films it. And right. It's either an audition or sometimes when they're working up a format, they'll use less famous comedians. 
it's a safe area and I thought I really really thought I really really want to do panel shows I really want to do them mm. and I'm not doing them as a woman like if I'm shit it's because I'm shit if I'm bad on them I'm never representing my gender because I can't and that's not my responsibility yeah, completely. I, it's not my responsibility if someone else says she's shit just like all women then that they were going to think that anyway that, that's not yeah I, they don't and also they had a predisposed opinion exactly. that they wanted and, and, and as we all know they they can be very express. strengthened it's going to be reinforced by evidence that seems to support it and they're going to ignore evidence or what happens people go I hate when people say, say women aren't funny Tina Fey's funny and you go finding exceptions in a rule reinforces the rule yeah it, um, so I just try as much as possible not to engage in it and not to think of myself beforehand if I'm having a bad show I don't go, oh, you should probably say something or there's going to be some fat, bald, middle-aged man yeah. <laughs> at home going, see, they're all shit. It's like, well, fine, let him think that. Yeah. I once got in a taxi and I was talking to the taxi driver about books and he said um, he didn't read books by women because they weren't as well-researched. And that for, me, wow. that, for me, encapsulates the people who say women aren't funny. Is that there's no point arguing with that man. If I had recommended Wolf Hall to him mm. as a book, he would see that as either an exception... Or he would just disbelieve me. And then I asked, so I just said, I asked him about what he liked and he really liked Andy McNabb books. And I realised that's fine because he's finding pleasure in something and I don't need to, I don't need to, me getting angry with him in a car, it's going to make him think I'm mad rather than yeah. that he's wrong. But what a, a bizarre specific thing to, yeah. to have. But, I, but that's, how, that's how it feels to me whenever someone says something about women in comedy or like women in their lives. If someone doesn't, if someone's wife doesn't make them crack up or their sisters or their friends, then I feel like that's a bit of a sad life. Yeah, so it's a weird... It's it's, it's a really odd, odd, odd thing. It's something I th- I've I've tried to write about on a track for a while now because I get to be a rapper or a spoken word artist, whereas Kate Tempest or oh, Jean yes. Grey yeah. or any of these have to be a female MC or a female yes, spoken really word odd, artist. That, yeah. things like that. So I just get to be... And, yeah. and similarly, I think it's changed a lot yeah. with comedian just generally t- tends to be, well, but well, they will is, have um, comedian yes, or female comedian yeah. or whatever it's What like. happens is um, people have to... So if, the, if, if, uh, if there's not a gender balance in your career, then people have to carve out a little space for themselves and then the people who come afterwards can have a space and eventually it will balance up. The female... Tanya Edwards has got some brilliant stand-up about it, about how... You're never a comedian, or as a female comedian, like, um, like, like it's never a film; it's a British film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's this completely. word you put in front of it. It's like it's something we all agree with in principle, but don't want to sit through. Yeah, <laughs> I think and it's, it's really weird because yeah. I guess f- female is the easy and lazy cop out for the person writing that because Stuart Lee will have to be dark comedian yes. or grumpy comedian yes. or whatever. Yeah, there's a whereas it's easy yeah. to not give anything specific about your performance yes. or set or style because yeah. you're a woman. But I was, yeah, but again, I was thinking, yeah, it's, it's so odd. It's so odd when you said... And the other thing is that if... Um, so all stand-up is really authored, as in it's all about your experience. Yeah. But because when women, when we talk about our experience, it's seen as feminist rather than just like, I can't help, this is the life I lived. Like, yeah. I wear skirts sometimes and I've got long hair. So that means that it's a feminist rather than... Because men is the norm. That's yeah. the really odd yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. is that... And being a subculture when you're over half of society. But anyway, yes. it's a fascinating time we live in. <laughs> it really is. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you... Like we're coming towards the end, oh, yeah. and now we're going over the hour mark. I'm going to ask you to recommend some some books if that's okay. Oh, yeah. But before yes. we do that, just because it's coming to my head and I won't be able to concentrate on anything yeah. else, um, th- just the mention of Andy McNabb there. Oh, yeah. I just need to tell a quick Andy okay, McNabb oh, story oh, about great. a friend of mine, S- S- Stuart Whiffin, who I run my club night with. Constantly gives me abuse and stickers. Friends do, so I don't know why I'm giving him mm. any kind of yeah. credit here. But <laughs> I, I, 
Andy McNabb used to be regularly on um, a radio show. Mm. I can't think that have him every now and then. They couldn't announce it because yeah, identity and yeah. secret and all that. Because he's also Banksy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, and, and they had a phone in and, and people were ringing in and asking him questions. And my mate phoned in and said, Andy, like when you were at school, did you and your mates ever play war? And he was like, yeah. He's like, and were you like really good and the best? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. Just all, all yes, got jokes. He's yeah. like... Give us your best machine gun noise, and 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 even now pulls for a bit, and then did his 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 yes, best gun yeah. noise, and then it was all laughter, and yeah. then Andy said to my mate Stu, "Well, come on, let's let's hear yours," and he didn't do anything. He went, "Let's hear it." He's like, "Just, I just did it, mate. S- silence. So you should know." one or two things about that and and hung up beautifully just just on Andy <laughs> yeah, Manab yeah. and the radio show but just the fact that you've yeah. got Andy Manab making yes, machine gun noises machine on guns, air yeah. was just yeah a beautiful moment but yeah. let's get back to oh yeah what books what book? I would oh, I tell you, would you recommend because I think moment, we've discussed your book, love of reading at the moment and, there's a book called Heretics by William Storr right? it's about why people believe things without evidence oh, and right. I think everyone would enjoy it and it makes you it's so interesting so it's about he started writing it because his dad is very religious. Yeah. And um, I guess he was trying to either understand his dad or be more compassionate towards people who have yeah. a belief system. So he did lots and lots of things in terms of meeting people who might believe in aliens or conspiracy theories or even like the anti-sceptics. But there's the scientific sceptics, that's what I mean, sceptics in a pub. But what's really interesting is the, the brain work. So basically, as children, all of us, uh, for, our brain forms a model of how the world works. And it's why children who have very damaged upbringings... Uh, will never truly overcome those because actually it, your brain works out what the world means and how to intuit it. That means we then have to ignore a hell of a lot of information yeah. or you'd go mad. If your brain yeah, yeah, reprograms itself each time you're completely disproved, then you would be insane, mm. what we would term to be insane. So that's what's so fascinating. So uh, there's brilliant experiments so like um, with cats. They put these kittens... I mean, it's obviously awful, but um, they put these kittens in a cage and it only ever had... They never saw vertical things. They never saw anything horizontal. Oh, wow. They didn't show anything to them. There was yeah. everything's vertical. And then when they're, let's say, a year old, but I'm making this up because I can't remember it properly. Let's say a year old, they put um, horizontal bars into the cage, and they kept walking into them. Their brain would not see them. Would they not didn't even exist. register it in any way. Yeah, because it doesn't exist. It, everything. It, it, That's it, amazing. So it's like, so so. But then what's so fascinating, so they were in America doing MRI scans on people who were either Republican or Democrat, very mm. staunchly, and they gave them their favourite politician with a list of comments that had been made about that politician. And they would read them in the MRI scanner, and they saw them ignoring negative comments. Their brain oh, really? did not, not take them in. Just didn't, but actually physically didn't go into their brain. And when they asked them afterwards, was, crazy, that a, was that a list of positive or negative comments? They all said positive. Yeah. Because we look for things that reinforce what we already think. Yeah. And understanding that means makes you realise they're like shouting at someone that God isn't real or that aliens don't know or you don't have proof of your alternative medicine makes them think you are... And actually that's the other really interesting thing. When... When someone believes something and you try to tell them it's not real, they then distrust you. Yeah. So that's why you'll have someone, maybe like David Icke, who can see conspiracy everywhere. Because everywhere he's trying to tell him wrong, yeah. he sees as someone who's trying to trick him. Yeah, yeah, b- 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 because it gets w- a weirdly defensive. I had, had Simon Singh on the podcast, and he's a fascinating guy, and he spoke on... Uh, one thing he spoke about on this was... Um, different medicines and one of the ones he spoke against was acupuncture yeah. and a guy on Twitter I've only mm. I read the blog yesterday 
wrote a blog about what he said and mm. then Simon emailed and there's there's now this blog that is both of them yes, going back yeah. and forth. And it's just... It was interesting to read because you could see exactly the blindness there. Mm. And I'm not saying that no, the acupuncture no. guy was, was wrong or, no. or rude in any way, but Simon highlighted some errors in there that yeah. were inaccurate and that... The, those errors in inaccuracy were no greater than the feel, things he felt were inaccurate in what Simon had yes, previously said, yeah. yet he dismissed them completely because yes, he's like, yeah. oh, you're just being pedantic and picking yeah. over little things yes. in reality, this, that. Mm. And again, I think that's fascinating because I don't think anyone... I'm not also, slagging either of them no, off, of course, but it's fascinating also, that you're, you're, yeah, you're seeing similar errors that you've picked yes, up on. But all of us, right, we, because the only way we can intuit the world is through, through our own brain and our own sensory system, if you have felt something be beneficial to you, then you, of course you know it works. Yeah. You know it. That's, yeah, that yeah. Is the, what, that's how the world ha- happens. So Completely. someone else telling you it doesn't work when you have physically felt it. So it's the same as if you have seen a ghost... You yeah. have seen a ghost. You can tell me as much as you like. Where did they live? Where did they go? Now that's not how it's. We've ne- never ever been scientifically proved. Yeah. Has been by my eyes. My by eyes me. have seen that. Yeah, yeah. and they actually did. And so that's the thing I think so completely. interesting about sanity or like your reality is what it is, and it's completely separate to everyone else's. We're the only one that lives in it. Yeah. And so that's what's the thing about realizing that if you're Simon Singh or Brian Cox, you don't need to get someone who believes in acupuncture not to believe in it. That's not your job. Because yeah. the world, your world makes sense and their world makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, the book Heretics, I think, is really, really... He writes a bit like... I would compare him to someone like John Ronson where it's all interesting people oh, that fantastic. he meets and it's not shoved down your throat. It's just a really clever, funny person. That's great. But John's it, perfect for that as well yeah, in his kind I think of... He's such you a just fantastic read, writer, it feels yeah. like you're reading a Louis Theroux documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Which is and just... again, it's compassion to human beings, I think. People who are interested and compassionate and funny writers. You just go, yeah, just can't wait for the next one. That's great. Yeah. I definitely have to... To check out, and, mm. and when we put this out, we put this out on a on an app as well as on iTunes. Mm. We put it on an app called Acast, where we can put links, links. to stuff. Okay. So if you've been listening to this, if you're on Acast, or even if you if you're not, you can go over to that, and we'll have a link in there to buy the book on oh, Amazon great. or wherever's mm. best. So no, you have to not link to Amazon now. I always feel bad because Amazon's so easy. I think Hive is one. Or Water, Waterstones have got a website now. Okay, perfect. Well, this the, but I don't this know will have been tax. linked to either Hive or Waterstones, or you know, we'll do our best to to, to link to someone yeah. who pays their tax yeah. and is legitimate <laughs> and and honest. You just have to try, don't you? Yeah, you got to try. Even though if even if fifty percent of the time you fail, you think well, at least they'll hear us one day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, oh, 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 we are going to wrap up, but I keep having bits mm. I want to um, say. What's Oh, what's ahead? I mean, I presume oh. tours, I presume you said you're Just working on a book. Tour. I'm writing a book. That's really exciting and it's something I've never done before and it's something I've always wanted to do. And have you found it? Well, both one day on, one day off. Yeah. I'll have a day where I'm just so happy and then I'll have a day where I really doubt myself and it's because I've always wanted it and I think it's good. I think when something really matters, of course, it's really hard. Yeah. But it's a good kind of hard. And I'm learning how to carve out space in my life for it. And I get excited because I now think, after I've written this one, I can write another one. And I might... That's a, gr- a great yeah. a point to be at because mm. that, that just means you know... I guess it's a, that thing of even just... Not that the first one should in any way be th- th- throw away, but the yeah. first one l- lets you know you mm. are capable of yeah. doing this. Yeah. And therefore... And that's the thing. Like We all have like, fantasies and ideas of like the ideal and, and what's happened for me. And it's just it feels like, I don't know... It's, it's it creates a dissonance because everything I wanted I have, mm. and that's so I, as I said, like I was really unhappy as a teenager, and I really 
wanted to prove to people at school they should want to be my friend. But it all involved kind of yeah, being on panel shows and, and getting to write a book. And so yeah. the fact that this is now my life, I really, really appreciate it. And then sometimes it really scares me. So that's how it feels writing a book. Yeah. And also I'm writing about um, things that are s- sensitive. Like I'm, at the moment I'm writing about uh, consent and what that means yeah. and how it's interpreted in our culture. And I have to see everything from 50 angles to make sure there's not a single person whose experience is going to feel dismissed. Yeah. Or because people can take your argument out. That's the other thing is that if you're writing something long form, someone can take one context, sentence. Yeah. Someone can take one sentence. So it's interesting. I'm writing about 50 Shades of Grey today. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting in terms of consent because BDSM has really, really strict consent that's yeah. ignored by the film. And actually, we could learn a lot about it. It's all about... Is it BD- ignored by the, the the book as well? I've not read the book oh, or seen the film, well, so but I, a, don't know. I know a, there's... There's some... a contract in it. Actually, it, I think it's fascinating. It highlights the notion of fantasy really well. So there's a contract in the book that she signs that gives him control over her body. Mm-hmm. and her. So she can't deny him anything. She can't hesitate and she can't get pregnant or get STDs, all these kind of things, and he puts her in control. But in BDSM, the whole understanding that it's a rolling contract, at any point someone can take away consent. It's always can given with every... That, yeah, yes, yeah. And that's, that's how all sex should else, be. Yeah. All sex should be that. Kissing someone doesn't mean you have to see something through. Yeah, yeah. You can be very heavily into something and then go, actually, I want to stop. And yeah. BDSM understands that because it's extreme. So it's actually really interesting. But the idea that you can give someone permission to force you to do something, the logic of that is the yeah. difference between fantasy and reality. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a, there, in old, um, I've been researching a lot of old rape trials, and they used to have this thing about um, people who, who allowed themselves to become overwhelmed. And I love that, although it's awful, the idea yeah. that you could, you Just allow the, 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 the semantics be, yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Hey, but that, again, that must be such a, um, a, f- a fascinating but as you said intricate and scary mm. thing to write about just because of yeah, well, trying it. to yes. think of every yeah. angle and every yeah. p- possible so yeah so I was writing about um, daunting I was writing about age of consent in this country it's so there's a guy called William Steed and I can't believe this isn't common knowledge he was a Pall Mall Gazette reporter and he thought that the child prostitution that was going on was terrible but Victorian society kind of thought that bad girls did bad things Right. But they weren't. They were 13, 14 year old girls who were off, sold yeah. off and, or had yeah. no money. And uh, because virginity was very important because then the men wouldn't get STDs. Right. So he bought a 13 year old girl from a chim- uh, ch- uh, her alcoholic mother. She was a daughter of a chimney sweep. Took her to a brothel, locked her in a room. She was drugged with chloroform. He let her scream and shout for a bit. So everyone thought that he was uh, ravishing her. Then they took her to Spain and she stayed there with the Salvation Army. And he had oh, the law wow. changed, the age of consent changed to 16 in this country. He wrote it all up, and, and it's called, um, oh, something of Babylon. It's really brilliant. Yeah. And do you imagine someone in the Evening Standard doing that now? But then yeah. he went to prison because of the, the he'd kidnapped this girl and bought her. So because of the law so that he changed... So kidnapped her and, got, and yeah. got the law and changed then, to rescue. then he died on the Titanic. Oh, wow. I know. It's just the whole story is That's incredible. Crazy. So I was writing about that, and then I was looking at the age of consent in other countries, and then again you come to this thing like I want to write about how nine-year-olds and eight-year-olds get married in the Yemen, and sometimes they die on their wedding night, and it's all really upsetting and really horrible. But the thing that people would tell you is you are a middle-class white woman. Mm. You are not allowed to talk about a culture you don't understand. But actually, it's not about culture; it's about poverty. That's the biggest thing I found out. Sorry, I'm ranting now because no, it's not reading. No, no, no. In every instance, girls that are young when they get married, it's because they need a dowry. The family need a dowry. It's right. all to do with economics. Poor people are forced to do things like that. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to help people, 
I don't know what we do. All set fire to everything. It's, it's, <laughs> Kill ourselves. It's such a weird thing with so much of that of that you yeah. can that you can put stuff down to tra- tra- tradition and religious mm. beliefs and things like yeah. that. But it's it's thinking, finding the yeah. line. And, and again, it's also finding who who has the right to say what yeah. is and isn't wrong. That's yes. another thing that's, well, that's really scary. Us as yes. Westerners can go. Oh, well, yeah. look at them. Yeah. Are they living like that? Yes. Oh, we need to go and save mm. them. And again, I may agree with that, but again, I may then think, well, what? Well, why is it our right? I think any good revolution happens really slowly without bloodshed, which means it's mm. slow, it's annoying, it's irritating. And you yeah. think, like, there's human rights abuses over there, but you don't go in and kill people. That's, yeah. that's my belief. There's a man, and it encapsulates all of this, outside Lewisham Shopping Centre the day, and he had a, la- a loudspeaker, and he obviously uh, was a religious... Um, fanatic, oh, fanatic's probably a strong word, he's a religious guy who wants everyone to get on board. Yeah. And he said that the Bible is the only place we find morality. If the morality isn't written down, then any of us can just decide what it is. And he was saying that's a negative thing. Yeah. But I actually thought, yeah, no, that's what morality is. We all decide personally and we try to live in a way together Yeah. where we don't hurt each other too much and we have a discussion with each other and sometimes it changes. And and I, I think the thing with that would be the ability to question everything yes. without guilt you yeah. know to question um that there should be any age of consent of course yeah. there should no, but, but, but it's, people, it's, yes. it's being able to question them things yeah. without thinking oh, everyone's going to think i'm a, a pervert or See, a sick that's, or that's, whatever that's the thing i've got in my books so that's it's exactly trying to ask that question without then trying to go is this a way couldn't could the daily mail pick what this out and say yeah, yeah, yeah i've yeah. written like something about um children being sexual but how we're really scared of it because of uh, at the moment we've got such a fear of paedophilia. And, and you're looking the way you're phrasing it, you're going, oh, God, that makes too horrible yeah, a soundbite. Yeah, too, they can take that out and turn <laughs> yeah, it into something. Yeah, exactly. Well, that sounds f- f- fascinating. I can't wait to, to uh, for this to be complete. Can you hurry up, please, yeah, and get yeah. on with the next one? Yes, I'll go straight home and finish it now. Um, well, we will end up now. Thank you very much for coming on. Where Thank can people you. keep up to date with... with I have a website. What you're doing? What sarahpasco.com, which has got. Well, actually, I forget to update it really, but there's a mailing list and things on there if anyone ever wants to have it. That's absolutely yeah. perfect. Well, thank you very much. It's thank been a you. pleasure to talk. Distraction Pieces podcast episode 28 with Sarah Pascoe and how lovely was that I really enjoyed getting to sit down and talk to Sarah so um big love to her for coming in and keep an eye on everything she's working on because it's just it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating um if you enjoyed that podcast I would recommend you check out the Stuart Lee podcast I mean we referenced him about four times he's been on as a guest um a month or two ago I'd the Rufus Hound one, we got in some great discussion on stand-up and the circuit and how it all works. And Josie Long, again, we mentioned her there as a mutual friend, great award-winning comedian and great activist and great talker in general. So, um, yeah, check all of those out if you fancy it. Um, Please subscribe. If you're on iTunes, it it really helps us if you subscribe and then click the bit to say say auto-download. So, that when the new one goes up, you automatically get it on your phone. And it just helps us because it means we get a load all downloaded in one concentrated time, which pushes up the charts and gets us a little bit more attention. Um, But then, I mean, aside from that, just a a word of mouth helps hugely. It's amazing the response we've been been getting from this podcast. It's genuinely blown me 
and Walgie, who who helps out on the production side, it's blown us away. So um, we get a lot of tweets of people saying, "I, you know, I'm not into podcasts, but I've got into this." If that's the case, then I hope that you can sh- share this kind of passionately, so that more people who would has probably ignored it because they're like, "I'm not really a podcast person." Hopefully, they'll be you know at least tricked or pulled over to giving it a listen and then hopefully becoming as addicted to podcasts as i am um yeah i listen to the joe rogan podcast constantly the fighter and the kid the nerdist um infinite monkey cage uh what else uh wtf podcast the champs uh the ross report talk is jericho steve austin's podcast all of them there's there's so many good podcasts out there so and i'm a big believer in not thinking of any of it as competition it's always the more the merrier um thank you very much for tuning in we will be back sadly next week we go back to one a week guys so i'm going to let you all just process that and get comfortable with that fact it's back to one a week it had to happen at some point it's been insane doing two a week for for this whole month but the reaction has been amazing and if you missed any of them we've had frank turner and then we had billy bragg and then we had uh dylan moran nailed it and then we had mead doing a Q&A one just answering questions that you guys have asked which we've got a part two of somewhere but we don't know when we'll fit that in but it'll be at some point then we had Wes Borland and Rob DeBank and this week we have had Rue Reynolds and Sarah Pascoe so thank you for tuning in and supporting the Distraction Pieces podcast I will see you next week ta-ta